It's the first day of the second week of 2022. Has anything significant happened yet? How have you fared in these initial days of a year that has 357 of them left after today? Are you hopeful for a reset after a tricky start to the year? All very good questions, but not necessarily the topic of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that seeks to celebrate National Trivia Day on all of them, while ensuring you're more informed than you were before. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, Governor-elect Youngkin will join other states led by Republican governors in opposing President Biden's vaccine mandate for federal employees. With the General Assembly meeting in four days, more legislation is filed. And cleanup continues after the winter storm of January 3rd. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, with winter weather here, now is the time to think about keeping your family warm through the cold Virginia months. Make sure you are getting the most out of your home with help from your local energy nonprofit, LEAP. LEAP wants you and yours to keep comfortable all year round and offers free home weatherization to income and age qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. The pandemic continues, but the next administration in Richmond will likely take a different approach to the current one. Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin on Friday announced that he and Attorney General-elect Jason Mieres plan to challenge the Biden administration's imposition of mandates on federal employees. Here's a segment from a press release. After the January 15th inauguration, the Commonwealth of Virginia will quickly move to protect Virginians' freedoms and challenge President Biden's unlawful CMS, OSHA, and Head Start vaccine mandates. While we believe that the vaccine is a critical tool in the fight against COVID-19, we strongly believe that the federal government cannot impose its will and restrict the freedoms of Americans. Biden and his Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Bacara, want to implement the mandate to increase the percentage of Virginians who were fully vaccinated. The action has not gone into effect yet, pending existing legal challenges. The form that Youngkin's legal challenge won't be known for at least eight days, but the U.S. Supreme Court on yesterday spent over three hours in argument on the same topic in two consolidated cases. There are links to that in a link in the newsletter. In the meantime, on January 7th, the heaviest surge of COVID cases so far continues to test the healthcare system, with trends towards hospitalization levels not seen since this time last year. Dr. Reed Adams is the chief medical officer at the University of Virginia. It is true we are feeling the same thing everywhere else in the state is feeling, which is uh, record numbers of COVID admissions. Um, we have been able to open additional COVID units to accommodate those patients. Adams said so far, UVA Health has not had to implement any emergency procedures, but operational teams are meeting every day. We have um, had uh, occasion where we've had to alter our, our elective surgical schedule. Fortunately, that's been fairly modest. 
and we've not had to close elective procedures to date. As of yesterday, the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association reported 3,103 patients in hospital with COVID. The record had been 3,201 on January 13, 2021, but today the VHHA set a new record with 3,478 patients currently hospitalized. Of those current hospitalizations, 558 were in intensive care units and 302 people were on ventilators. On Friday, the Virginia Department of Health updated their dashboard on COVID cases by vaccination status. Through December 25th, unvaccinated people developed COVID-19 at a rate 3.8 times that of fully vaccinated people and 2.2 times that of partially vaccinated people. At UVA Health, Adams estimates the number of unvaccinated patients who are hospitalized is between 75 to 80 percent. Um, because we care for immunosuppressed patients, we are seeing some of those patients, uh, uh, organ transplants is a good example, that are having COVID-related disease and, and requiring hospitalization, but the vast, vast majority are still unvaccinated. Dr. Bill Petrie is an infectious disease expert at the University of Virginia. He said while there are more cases of people getting COVID who are vaccinated and boosted, the vaccine is still offering protection. Protection from hospitalization is, is, is much better um, with the vaccines, with or without the boosters, uh, really. Um, and what we've seen is, is that being vaccinated in itself reduces your risk of being hospitalized or dying from COVID about tenfold. Both Dr. Adams and Dr. Petri gave examples of how the Omicron variant seems to be less deadly and destructive as the Delta variant. Here's one of them from Dr. Petri. One of the good pieces of news is that Omicron variant is less likely to uh, infect the lungs. And so we're seeing less pneumonia with Omicron than we were with Delta. So that, that's one good piece of news. There won't be any new data on the number of COVID cases until Monday, as the Virginia Department of Health stopped reporting its seven days a week when the state of emergency ended last June. On Friday, the VDH recorded 18,309 cases, and the percent positivity further increased to 34.6%. The Blue Ridge Health District made up 410 of those cases. Albemarle County set its one-day record on Thursday with 156 cases, followed by 131 cases on Friday. Charlottesville set its record Friday with 140 cases. Other localities have also recently set one-day records for new cases. These numbers are likely undercounts, as at-home kits are not reported to the Virginia Department of Health, and because of the effects of this week's storm. This week, Governor Ralph Northam announced $5 million will be spent to create nine testing centers throughout Virginia, with the first opening at the Richmond International Raceway today in Caroline County. According to the release, one of these will be in Charlottesville at the existing facilities used by the Blue Ridge Health District. Governor-elect Youngkin will also appoint a new commissioner of health, choosing not to retain Dr. Norm Oliver in the position as the pandemic approaches its third year. Wendy Horton, UVA Health's chief executive officer, said she hopes for consistency. I think it's really important to, to really remain aligned as, as a commonwealth and, and to really have public health um, and us all just really working together, I think is, is my, my, my recommendation. I think that we do that well, but um, you know, I think it's increasingly 
it's a team sport right now. And I think all of us uh, really have to be working together to, to really um, care for uh, everyone across the state. Yunkin will become the next governor of Virginia a week from today. Friday's winter storm didn't pose much of a threat, at least as measured by whether the city's trash trucks operated. They did. But many continue to be without power throughout the area on such a cold day, though Dominion Energy's outage map now tracks individual projects versus wide swaths of land. The Central Virginia Electric Cooperative reports 3,339 customers without power from a total number of 38,307 customers. Albemarle County continues to offer warming centers today and tomorrow from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. The locations are Baker Butler Elementary, Monticello High School, Greenwood Community Center, and Scottsville Community Center. Water, electricity, and Wi-Fi are available at all four, but showers are only available at the schools. Drinking water is also available at the fire departments in both Earliesville and North Garden. Call 434-297-8415 or visit communityemergency.org for more information. If you're reading this and you live in Charlottesville, you better have shoveled your public sidewalk by now. The official end of the week's snowstorm has passed, and city ordinance requires pathways in the public right-of-way to be clear as of 8 a.m. this morning. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and let's continue today with two more Patreon-fueled shoutouts. The first comes from a longtime supporter who wants you to know, Today is a great day to spread good cheer. Reach out to an old friend, compliment a stranger, or pause for a moment of gratitude to savor a delight. The second shout-out comes from a more recent supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist. Whether that be WINA, CBS 19, NBC 29, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Charlottesville Weekly, The Daily Progress, or some other place I've not mentioned, the community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today. And if you like this particular version of that, do consider a Patreon subscription. As the General Assembly session looms, it will become much harder to list all of the pieces of legislation that are introduced. Until then, I hope to continue to bring you some of the highlights as I figure out what my strategy will be for covering the session while also keeping you up to date on local matters. Until then, here we go. Senator David Marston, a Democrat from the 37th District, introduced a bill to terminate the Major Employment and Investment Project Site Planning Grant Program in favor of the Virginia Business Ready Sites Program Fund. Marsden has another bill encouraging wellness programs to encourage customers to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Senator Barbara Favola, a Democrat from the 31st District, filed a bill extending the amount of time a locality's planning commission has to make a recommendation on a comprehensive plan amendment from 60 days to 100 days.
Favola has another bill that would allow localities to take action to enforce provisions of the Virginia Residential Landlord and Tenant Act. In a related bill, landlords would not be able to ban tenants from using their space to provide childcare. The definition of critically missing adult would no longer have a requirement that abduction is involved under other legislation from Vivola. Senator Chap Peterson would prohibit people from spending more than $20,000 on one candidate in a statewide or legislative race. Senator Joe Morrissey has a similar bill that would increase that limit to $25,000. Peterson has another bill that would prevent public utilities from donating to candidates or their political action committees. People in quarantine would be able to petition for delays in legal proceedings related to that status if another bill from Peterson makes it through. Senator Mamie Locke, a Democrat from the 2nd Senate District, filed a bill to increase the limit on the amount of housing opportunity tax credits from $15 million to $150 million and would end a projected 2026 sunset date for their use. Senator Amanda Chase, a Republican from the 11th District, filed a bill that would require health care providers to dispense hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, two treatments for COVID that have not been proven to have any effect. Chase has another bill that would prevent localities from regulating firearms in public places, as well as another one that would repeal the ban on firearms and explosive devices in Capitol Square or within the capital of Virginia. Senator Thomas Norman, a Republican from the 3rd District, has a bill that would prohibit the Virginia governor from appointing members of their family to a secretarial position or chief of staff. Norman has another bill related to the state marijuana tax that would redirect funds that are intended now to go to the Cannabis Equity Reinvestment Fund. Under this bill, they would go directly to the general fund. Delegate Lee Ware, a Republican from the 65th District, has filed a bill to create the Virginia Pandemic Response and Preparedness Council. Delegate Wendell Walker, a Republican from the 23rd District, filed a bill removing a clause that elementary and secondary school students cannot be charged with disorderly conduct. Walker wants that to be the case yet again. Delegate Joseph McNamara, a Republican from the 8th District, filed legislation to exempt food and personal hygiene products from sales tax. He has another bill to require the Secretary of Commerce and Trade to study the effects of daylight savings time. Delegate Christopher Head, a Republican from the 17th District, filed a bill to create a central registry for complaints about elder abuse and neglect in the Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. Head has another bill that would allow a 2000 tax credit for individuals or married persons who have a stillborn child. Incoming delegate Karen Greenhall has another bill that would allow for health care providers to make prescriptions for off-label uses. Greenhall has another bill that would allow educators to have a $500 tax credit, a provision that would apply to parents or guardians who homeschool. Senator Emmett Hanger, a Republican from the 24th District, has a bill that would replace the charter for the town of Grottoes. Senator Joseph Morrissey is a Democrat from the 16th District, and he has filed several bills. SB 104 would eliminate mandatory minimum sentences. 105 would be a bill that would make retroactive provisions adopted in the summer of 2020 that prevent police officers from pulling over motorists for certain offenses. In SB 108, he would end the use of isolated confinement in Virginia's correctional facilities. He also has three bills related to parole. 
SB 115 is an update of the six-year capital plan for Virginia, which includes new figures for projects at colleges and universities, including a center for the arts at the University of Virginia. More bills in Monday's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, the Saturday COVID edition, very similar to the Charlottesville Quarantine Report. You may recall that 22 months ago when the pandemic hit, I immediately went to work to create a podcast called the Charlottesville Quarantine Report, which is no longer being produced because it evolved into this program. And I really do appreciate you becoming a listener to this. And if it's the first one you've ever heard, stick around because there'll be a lot more that are very similar to this. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host, and the whole point of this is to keep you informed as much as you can because I want to be informed, and I figure you may as well come along for the ride. This is uh, very interesting information, all of it, I think. None of it is trivia, even though it may seem that way. Uh, To me, it's not, and uh, my job, hopefully, is to tell you things I think you need to know, and uh, you can tell me things, too. Drop me a line if you support this program. If you would like to support this program, there are several ways to do so. Rather than just go on about that right now, let me just direct you to infoseville.com. This is a place that's the archive for all of the Town Crier Productions material, including those Charlottesville quarantine reports, eventually. You can look on the support section and you should figure out ways that you can contribute to this program. The number one thing you can do is send it on to somebody else. I'll be back on Monday with another installment of this show. In the meantime, work is now going to get underway for the week ahead non-podcast that's the newsletter that basically lists what's going on what's coming up in the week to come i'm sean tubbs the host stay safe stay hydrated stay warm stay at home if you have any fear of contracting covid or spreading it to somebody else essentially it's up to you but it's a pretty good idea to just be careful no matter what day it is thanks for listening and goodbye